I had to change what I was going to minister this morning because I convinced the, and, and, and building on the principles of the word of God was on the forefront. Unfortunately, it has been replaced by secularism and atheism and Marxism and, and, and it, it just it, it grieved my heart that in the very places where people dedicated to God now is the very places where people are, are living out there serving the devil and, and doing everything contrary to God. I'm telling you, listen to me. This is what God spoke to me. The Bible says in Psalms 11, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Right now, we are watching all over our news that there are people who have one goal, and that is to wipe out and eradicate the very foundation that, of this nation. I'm just letting you know, listen, you're going to ha have to have spiritual life. I know that there's challenges that we have. I know that there's problems, but I want you to know there's a devil behind what we see in the natural. Let me just tell you, you got to understand. That's why Jesus said, Lord, give them eyes to see. He spoke to the, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah's God said to him, I'm sending you to a people. Listen, they're going to have ears, but they don't hear. They're going to have eyes, but they don't see. I want you to know that it is possible for us not to see what God is wanting to do. And I'm just telling you, I believe that when we look at all of the things that are happening in our country right now, I believe if we can see in the spirit, there's a spiritual war that's going on. And I, 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 if, if you, there, There's a, a video that I watched this past week. Uh, by Mike Evans, it was called "The Battle for the Soul of America." I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read some quotes he said there. Listen, because I believe that that's the true battle we're facing right now. There's a spiritual battle that's going on, and I believe that if we don't recognize what God is doing, we'll miss our time of visitation. That's why the title of my message this morning is "Preparing for Visitation." He states, listen, he says, listen, over the last several months, we've witnessed, many of you say, we've witnessed the worst pandemic in 100 years. Right now, 194,000 people have died in this country alone. Now, I want you to think of that. We only make up 4% of the world's population, and yet more than 20% of the deaths have happened right here in our own country. 40 million people are unemployed. Riots, looting, violence, burning of cities almost in, all, in every major city right now in America. We're right now experiencing the some of the worst wildfires on the West Coast they've ever seen. If you read anything or saw anything in the news, it's been talking about these incidents that we're living in. And I believe we have to stop long enough to say, God, what is, what is God saying in the midst of this? What is the prophetic significance of what we're saying? Now, let me just tell you, there's this principle in the Bible that the Bible says that God will do nothing unless he first reveal it to his servants, the prophets. I want you to know that there was a prophet, a man of God named David Wilkerson, the pastor of of uh, Times Square Church in New York. Listen what he wrote clearly in 
prophesied in 2009. Listen to what he said. He said, major cities all across America will experience riots, blazing fires, and looting, even including New York. He was writing from New York. Listen to what he said in 1986. And this is why you got to understand. He had no clue. This was almost 40-something years, not, yeah, not quite, 30-something years ago, 34 years ago. Listen to what he said. He said, I see a plague coming on the world. And listen what he said. And bars and churches and governments will be shut down. Now, I want you to know that when he wrote that 34 years ago, people thought he was crazy and a lunatic. But now that we've seen it come to pass, how many you know, now he's dead. This man, uh, he died uh, about seven years ago. He's with the Lord. But he prophesied. He saw a plague coming that would shut down bars, that would shut down governments, that would shut down churches. It, listen, the idea that churches would be closed up, how many you know, nobody saw that coming. But I believe that God spoke to him prophetically. Listen to what he went on to say. He said the plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into the Bible and to repentance and there will be a cry of men to God in the pulpit. Listen, out of it will come the third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. I want you to know that that's what I'm here to tell you this morning. That I believe in the midst of the plagues in the midst of the riots, in the midst of the racial division and the social unrest, I believe that God is setting, up a, setting us up for divine visitations. But I believe that you got to be ready for it. Can I have an amen? Listen to me. I don't know about you, but I, I'm going to say it again. This thing is too big for God to waste. I believe because according to Romans 8, all things are working together for the good of those. How many of you love God? Then God says, I'm going to work it for your good. I'm telling you what we see in the natural. God says, I'm going to turn it around. And what the devil meant for bad, I'm going to turn it and work it for your good. Somebody say amen. But we need to be asking ourselves, God, if this great awakening is coming, how do we prepare for it? Because I believe if the man saw that plagues would come in, if, I, if, he, saw, if he predicted that government would shut down and churches would shut down, if, if God gave him the insight, I believe that if, if he said these things, I believe that what he also saw about a great awakening, I believe it's coming. Look at somebody and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I believe it's coming. I'm telling you, you ought to get ready because I believe that, listen, though we're living in one of the most unprecedented times, I believe that we're living in probably one of the greatest times for the church because God said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. We're living in those times. I believe we're living in the time where God's going to visit us. How many know it's, it's God wants to visit? God wants to change people's lives. You know the Bible says God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. God takes no, God does not rejoice when people die in their sin. God does not rejoice when people are afflicted with COVID-19 and die suddenly. No, God wants to show mercy. God wants to heal. God wants to turn things around. How many believe that? The God of the Bible, I realize, listen, he, listen, he may, because people sometimes, uh, we live in a broken 
world has been affected by sin and so we see death we see destruction but you got to understand but the God of the Bible is a God who's a God of love he's a God of mercy he's a God who wants to bring healing he's a God who wants to visit he's a God who wants to save the Bible says that the long suffering of God is so that no one would perish but that all would come to repentance and I believe that we're living at that time. And so I want to share with you real briefly three things that I believe that we and I, you and I can do to prepare for this time. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 19. Many of you know that when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, the Bible says he wept over the city. Why did Jesus weep, weep over the city? Listen to me. The Bible says because they knew not or they did not recognize their time of visitation. The reason why Jesus wept is because sometimes God can be moving and we miss out what God is about to do. Do you know that right now, a lot of people, they're looking only at the outward, but they're not recognizing what God is doing right now. And I believe that just as Jesus wanted, the Bible says in, in the book of Luke, God wanted to gather the children as a hen gather her chicks but they would not. I believe that God is wanting to do something in our lives. I believe he's wanting to do something in our homes. I believe God is wanting to do something in our nation. But how many you know, we have a part to play. Let, let me just tell you, it, the, there's a part that you and I play. And here's the first thing. If we're going to prepare for visitation, we must pray and say, God, open our spiritual eyes. Look at somebody says, open my eyes, Lord. Come on, come on. Tell somebody, say, God, I need my eyes open because I want you to know that here's a problem with so often that sometimes we can see in the natural, but we don't often see what God is doing in the spirit. The writer of Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 Paul said, he begins to read in Ephesians 1, he said he prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we might know what is the hope of our calling and what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. I want you to know, it goes on to say that God would give us a spirit of wisdom, spirit to reveal what is happening. And sometimes we can be blinded to what's going on. That's what happened to the children of Israel. Often God was moving in their midst, but they were blinded. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. And so I want you to know, if we're going to see and recognize what God is doing, our first response is to be saying, God, open my eyes. We used to sing a song years ago, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. How many want to see him? Come on. I want, listen to me. Then I want you to know if you're going to see him, you're going to have to pray, God, open the eyes of my heart. I want you to know that, that God is doing that. Listen, I, I say it last Sunday and I believe it again. The worst, what, what was potentially would be the worst tragedy is for us to come through this COVID-19 and not recognize what God wanted to do. I want you to know that, that listen to me, because, you know, just like Jesus wept over the children of uh, Israel because they did not recognize their time of visitation. I want you to know that God wants to bring a, a move of God. God wants to do something in our nation, but it's going to require that you and I pray that our eyes be open. Here's an example. Many of you know the book of Revelation. There's a church by the name of Laodicea. 
I believe they're much like America. They were very wealthy. They were very prosperous. They, they, they had it going on. And I want you to know that a lot of times because we're comfortable. How many of you missed a meal this past week? Raise your hand. You missed a meal because you didn't have no food. All right. How many of you missed a meal because you didn't have no food? The reality, we've been giving away so much food, nobody around you should be hungry. But here's what I want you to know that we're living, this is not how the rest of the world, we make up only 4% of the world's population. Right now, this pandemic is sad. Our world, you know, our news media rarely cover what's happening in other parts of the world. But because of this pandemic and because many countries and governments have been shut down, people all over our nation, all over our world are facing starvation or hungry. And, but you know what? We, we have so much. We have such abundance in our nation. We, you know, we have 40 million people out of work, but most of them getting unemployment. But in most of the world, the other 96% of the world, that's, doesn't, that's not the case. When things shut down, they don't have it. And so listen to what he says to the church at, Reve, uh, church at Laodicea. Revelations chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to what he says. You say I'm rich. You say I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. I want you to know here was a church that because there was living in the midst of such abundance and prosperity and everything was going well, they did not recognize what God was doing. And so the Bible said they had eyes, but they could not see. And I believe that the first thing we need to pray is, God, open our eyes. Let us not be like the church at Laodicea who was blind, who was naked, who was poor, who was wretched and undone. I want to read a post. One of, one of our members, uh, Brother Raymond, posted this. I believe that it was confirmation of what I was sharing this morning. Raymond's not here this morning, but I'm, I want to just read this. Listen to what he said. He said, earlier this year, I made New Year's resolutions to travel overseas. Then tragic thing happened. He put Kobe Bryant. He put pandemic. He put protests. He put politics. Passing of loved ones. He said, like many, I thought, man, 2020 needs to be wiped out completely. Then I spoke with the Lord, and he gave me much insight and revelation. It was a lot. Hopefully, I can share a little at a time. Listen, he did say that this year for the, for the world at large would be a time to refocus, reflect, and reprioritize. Listen to what he said. This year for family, I'm sorry, this is a year for family togetherness amidst the chaos. This is a year for people to shift the focus off of self and onto one bigger than themselves, the one bigger than themselves. 
Make 2020, I'm sorry, my take, 2020 does not need to be wiped out. Rather, we need to wipe our eyes and see what God is up to. I believe, I'm going to believe that was the Lord. I, 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 come on, let's stand. I believe that needs to be all of us. Because, hear me, all of us need to be saying, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you desiring to do in my world? All of us need to be saying, God, God, give me eyes to see what you're at, what you're doing and where you're at work. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, God, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the fires, in the midst of the riots, in the midst, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the protests, in the midst of all that's going on, I'm telling you, God is at work. Uh, let me just tell you, when the Bible talks about in the, in the beginning of Genesis, when the world was dark and formless, the Spirit of the Lord was brooding over the waters. I want you to know, when, even when you can't see it, He's working. Even when you can't feel it, He's working. He never stops. Stop working. I'm letting you know that God is right now. He's working. The problem is, do you see what he's doing? And I believe that the greatest cry of our heart should be saying, God, open my eyes. Let me see what you're doing. The second thing we need to ask is this. Is, listen, if we're going to prepare for visitation, I'm letting y'all know I'm not going to miss it. You might miss it, but I'm not going to miss it. I'm telling you, God is about to do something. I say, God, I want to be a part of it. How many want to be a part of what God is doing? Then I want you to know Then you're going to have to say, God, give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see. Let us not be like the church at Laodicea. Let us not be blinded by our jobs, by our cause, by our hobbies. We got so much stuff that blinded. I believe that's why God shut everything down so that we can stop long enough to reflect and say, God, what is going on? How many know anytime they shut down the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the everything that's going on? How many know it got to be God trying to get everybody's attention? Because, I'm, you know, we, we live for sports. Some people, they, you know, they're cutting up in New Orleans right now because the mayor didn't say, listen, I'm not moving past phase two. They want a shooter. But I'm, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, we are. We're living at a time because I want you to know, you can, show, you can close my church, uh, but this don't, just don't close the football stadium. You can close the church, but just don't end it. That's how we are. We have made an idol out of the things of the world and we much rather listen we don't we we can have them close in the church we can have them close in the business this don't shut down the nfl <laughs> here here's the second thing i'm not going to be long listen if we're going to prepare for a visitation we must be willing to repent say repent i believe it has to begin to be the cry of every believer of every church Every Christian, repent. Repent means to turn back to God. It means to acknowledge that God, we drifted, we drifted away from you. Just like they sung that song so beautifully this morning. Lord, I'm coming back to a heart of worship where it's all about you. See, we got to come back to God. We got to recognize that, Lord, we have drifted away. Sometimes we can make church everything other than what God made it to be. That's why I've been talking about reset. Because let me just tell you, you got to understand, you are the church. Church is not where I go. Church is who I am. Can I have an amen? Let me just tell you, you got to begin to recognize, you are the church. You are the body of Christ. If God's going to do anything in the earth, it's going to be because of
because he's doing it through you. You got to recognize, I said last week to every student, to every young person, you must recognize God wants to use you. Look at somebody and say, God wants to use you. I shared this week, listen, God needs a body to work through. I know he's up there, but God wants a body. That's why the Bible calls us, you are the body of Christ. You are the hands and the feet of Jesus. If God's going to do something in the earth, he's going to do it through you and I. That's why we got to say, God, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. Come on, say that with me. Say, Lord, if you can use anything. Use me. You remember when God wanted to, uh, uh, God was spoke to in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. God began to speak to the prophet. He wanted to, he wanted to uh, use somebody to speak to the nation. But he needed a mouthpiece. God could have shouted from the clouds, but God has chosen to work through people. And Isaiah said simply, here am I, Lord. Send me. That need to be our cry. But let me just tell you, there's never been a move of God without repentance. Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know that this should be the cry of our nation. This should be the cry of all of our hearts. God said, listen, if I shut up heaven so that there's no rain, if I send locusts and plagues on the land, I want you to know we're living right now in the midst of a plague. But listen, his promise, his promise has been, yet if my people, how many of God's people, if you're God's people, raise your hand. If you're God's people, if you're not God's people, I understand. But if you're God's people, raise your hand. Come on. If you, if you know you're God's people, raise both hands. Come on. Come on. How many of you know you're God's people? Listen to me. This is his promise to you. If my people, say my people, say he's talking to me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, say pray. Listen, if there's ever a time that we need to pray, it's now. You know, what's been amazing, we've been having these Saturday morning prayers. We have over two, 300 people gathering. I mean, if it wasn't for this pandemic, I don't believe that was ha would have happened. But God is stirring. God is shaking. God is awakening people. People realize, man, we need God. We need God to move. We need God in our lives. We need God in our homes. We need God on our jobs. And I want you to know, God responds. He says, call on me in your time of trouble, and I will hear you, and I will deliver you. And you will glorify me. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call on me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I want you to know if there's ever a time that we should be calling on the Lord, it should be now. I, I feel for some people, God's going to have to disrupt you to a place that some of you still ain't praying. But how many know God know how to get your attention? You know, God know how to bring us to a place where we have to call on. Sometimes we are too comfortable. I'm just being honest with you. But God know how to bring us to a place so that we have to call on the name of the Lord. Listen to me. I believe we have to repent because there's never been a spiritual awakening unless there first been genuine repentance. Sometimes we don't even recognize the sins in our own heart. You see, you've heard people say, man, you can't judge me. You don't know my heart. That's the problem. You don't often know your heart. 
The Bible says the heart is evil and desperately wicked and who can know it? That's what the writer of Jeremiah said. Listen what the, the writer of Psalm 139 is on your ha handout. This is a prayer I've been praying often right now. He says, search me. Come on, say it with me. Come on, put it on there. Come on, let's read it together. Say, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Put the next verse. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Recently, I was praying that prayer. And the Lord began to convict me about an area of my life. Because you see, the Lord began to convict me about sometimes I didn't love the people who are my enemies. Sometimes I don't love the people who dislike me. Sometimes I don't love the people who talk about me. Sometimes I don't love the people who hate on me. And I was convicted because anybody can love the people who love them. Anybody can love people who do good to them. But I'm going to read it verbatim. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Anybody, let me ask you, anybody got any haters? Raise your hand. Anybody got any haters? A anybody got any haters they know about? It. Most of you got some haters. Any, 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 anybody, you, you, you hate somebody? <laughs> so We had a few brave souls and willing to say, yeah, there's a few people I don't like. But listen to what he said. You have heard that the law said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But listen to what Jesus said. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting like the children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the Democrat and the Republican. Come on, Jesus. I interjected that. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that? What, what is there for what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Perfect as your friends do that. But if you are going to be perfect as your father in heaven, but he said, but, but you ought to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Now listen to me. So I begin to make a list of the people who I know don't like me. You ever made a list like that? I've reached, I recently preached a funeral. I mean, I was, I was preaching how to have it. A guy at the funeral said, am, am I on that list? I said, no, you're not on Because he knew he, he did some wrong. He cheated some people in the church. And uh, he could have been on that list. But I told him, no, you're not on that list. I forgive you. But I recently made a list of some people. I think it's a good thing for us as believers to do. 
Because the Bible says in many things we offend people. It's not just who, who you offend, it's who you offended. Sometimes we're not aware. That's why we need to pray and ask the Lord, God, show me. You know, if there's anybody, this is how you know that people, if you don't want to be around them, that's a good sign that you don't like them. If you hurry up and flip past their social media page because you don't want to look at anything they got to say, that's a good sign that you got an issue there. And, you know, I started praying that way. If you see them coming outside and you go inside, that's a good sign. <laughs> and, as a, and, and at the risk, I don't want to reveal people, but my wife, I was putting together, you know, we have these food giveaways, and I was putting together some, some stuff for different people, and I shared with my wife with one of them. She said, well, why are you doing that for them? <laughs> Because you know they don't like us at all. I said, that's why I'm doing it for them. But this person put on my heart and I said, God, there's a person I know that don't like me. And Lord put it on my heart to call them. You know how you procrastinate. But I finally called them. And I knew that they were offended by me. And I said, I want to ask you a question. We had small talk. First of all, they were shocked. And, you know, they made small talk. Why are you calling me? And I said, well, I just want you to know the Lord put it on my heart. And I didn't say if. You see, some people apologize like this. If I did something wrong to you, well, if it, don't, even, don't even bother to make the call. That ain't an apology. I know they were wrong by me. They might, I didn't say if. I said, you know what? The Lord has showed me that. I heard I wounded you, and I want to ask you to forgive me. I said, I want to say I'm sorry, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And it got quiet, and I can tell on the other end of the line that they were visibly moved and they were weeping. And they went on to say, you know, I've been waiting to hear those words. You see, I look to you as a spirit, as a father. And I was wounded. And I was been waiting to hear those words, I'm sorry. And he went on to say how much it meant to them and how much they needed that. And God made my enemy my friend. Come on, let's give God some praise. But I want to bring it to where you and I live because today we have families where fathers have wounded their children, their sons and daughters. And we have mothers who's often wounded their children and vice versa. And sometimes we feel we're too proud to admit that we wrong somebody. See, that's the problem with some of what we sometimes wrong people, but we, we don't go to that person and say, listen, I need to acknowledge I hurt you. I wounded you. And sometimes I, I was talking to someone and they were saying, I, I so wish my loved one would just tell their children that they're sorry. 
Because sometimes we're trying to win a world out there when we're not reaching those right in our own home. Sometimes, here's the tragedy in the church today, is that we got so many broken relationships right in our own home. And the Lord, by loving the world, we can't love the people in our own home. And the Lord began to deal with me about that. And I'm telling you, I'm say, I'm li listen to me. There can be no move of God unless there's first repentance. Pride is what keeps us from saying, I'm sorry. Pride is what keeps us from admitting, you know, I realize I hurt you. Pride is what keeps us from admitting, especially sometimes when we're in authority or we're a parent. We don't want to, well, you know, some parents say, well, a, child, a parent not supposed to apologize to their child. Well, the devil is a liar. And I'm speaking to some of you. Listen, I, I'm telling you that the reason why some of us have broken relationships, broken families, broken, uh, you know, is a sad. Some people jump from church to church. Why? Because they get hurt here, they get wounded there, they get offended, and then they go to another place, and they leave there offended. And they, they, if you look at their lives, it's littered by broken relationship because we don't have the humility to humble ourselves to turn from our wicked ways and say God I'm wrong and I'm telling you relationships are too important to God not to get it right Jesus said it's so important he said listen if you go come into God and you're bringing your offering and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you keep your money one pastor said, no, just drop it off at the altar first, then go home. <laughs> Get the bucket ready, y'all. <laughs> but listen what he said. Jesus said, he said, go home and get it right with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. God is concerned about relationships. And I want you to know that the reason why our nation is broken is because our homes are broken. I'm going to say that again. God is concerned about relationships. And the reason why our nation is broken is because our homes are broken. It has to start in our hearts. We got to say, God, search me. Know my heart. It's tragic. I, I watch I did a, a funeral for a young man in his 20s yesterday. You know, and sometimes I watch how some people cut up. But let me just tell you, you know why they're cutting up sometimes? They're cutting up because they didn't make it right while they're living. And now they got remorse and guilt. And it's too late. Life is staying to you this morning. Listen to me. I, I apologize. There's nobody here that I know I wronged you. But if, but if I did, if you bring it to my attention... I want to ask your forgiveness. I want to say I'm sorry. Because let me just say, I don't want, I don't want nobody to leave. I don't want nobody to, uh, to leave this place realizing that you hurt me, you wounded me, you offended me. You realize that some people, we, we prevent them from coming to God because we're too proud to admit, I wronged you, I hurt you, I wounded you. And I'm letting you know that one of the reasons why revival tarries, one of the reasons why we don't have a visitation is because God says there's been no repentance. 
That's a word for somebody right now. I said, that's a word for somebody all over there. That's a, that's a word for some of you right now. That's a word for me right now. If that's a word for you, just say amen. If you can't say amen, just say, oh, me, God. <laughs> I believe it has to start there. And God has been dealing with me. God's been showing me how to love my enemies. God's been showing me how to bless the people who do wrong to me. I'm making a list. Some of you need to make your list this morning. Amen. Lastly, as I close, and here's the most important. I said, if we're going to have a visitation from God, I said, we got to pray and say, God, open my eyes. I said, secondly, we must be willing to repent. We need to turn to God. I'm telling you, there will be no move of God unless there's repentance. There will be no, the answer to the racial divide is repentance. The answer, the answer to, the, to the brokenness in our society is repentance. The answer to everything that's going on right now in our nation is repentance. Listen to me, and, and I, I'm letting you know right now, unless we turn to God. God can heal any relationship. God can heal. Let me just say, the an you might think the answer is not protest. I'm going to let you know. You might criticize me, but the answer to the divide, the answer to the hate, the answer to the brokenness is to repent because only God can change the heart. Getting angry at people is not going to change them. Burning down their building is not going to change them. Looting stores is not going to change nothing. Unless we repent, we'll also perish. We got to repent. Say repent. And the answer, to, the answer to the political problem, the answer to the racial problem, the answer to the economic problem, the answer to everything is repentance. We got to turn to God. He alone can heal us. As Hosea 6 said, he has torn us, but he will heal us. He has, he has wounded us, but he will bind up our wounds. But he says, you got to come and return to me. We got to return to the Lord. And lastly, as I close, I want to say this lastly, we must once again make the kingdom of God, our priority. God's kingdom. Matthew 6, 33. I'm closing. Listen to what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God. The living Bible says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Is that, let, me, let me just, I'm going to ask y'all, I don't know what's going on in the lobby, but it's a distraction. I see people going in and out. And so I'm going to tell everybody, if you can't sit in, it, 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 you know, it's a distraction. Hear me. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these other things shall be added. Horton. And that is seeking God. That is seeking God. That is putting him first. Hear me. Putting him first. I think some of the young men who I talked to yesterday from the basketball gym. I thank y'all here. Aren't you too, some of y'all here? Y'all here? Yeah, God bless. Let's thank God for these young men. Come on, let, let's thank God. Let me just tell you. I want to say this. Hear me. I want to say this. Hear me. Many of you don't understand. This church started not 25 years ago. It started about 38 years ago. As a result of an outreach, I had a young cousin of mine who was killed right here in Laplace. He was dealing drugs. He was just barely a kid in his early 20s. And I was so busy about making a living, 
about climbing the corporate ladder. I was working for Shell Oil Company, trying to make it happen. I was doing good. But I was oblivious to the fact that right in my own backyard were young men and women perishing without Jesus. I had never told them about Jesus. And when, that, when, when, when my young cousin died, tragically was killed, murdered, shot like a dog under a tree, I said, God, forgive me for not making the main thing the main thing. And I set out, and this is how this church started. Every Saturday, I would open a gymnasium. And I would go pick up young men from the public housing and different people in the community. And I'd bring them to the gym. Linda can remember because I would pick up her sister and her sister's boyfriend. They first came, Rose. And they would pick and they would get in my car. I had a van and I would fit as many people as I can. And I'd bring them to reserve. And listen, and before they did anything, I would share with them the good news about Jesus, how Jesus died from, how he paid the price for their sins, and the fact that you don't have to be condemned because Jesus was condemned so that you can be forgiven. He who knew no sin, he became sin for us so that we might be made righteous. And every Saturday night before we'd play ball, I'd tell them about the goodness of God, a God who loved them, a God who died for them. I don't care if you're dealing drugs. I don't care if you're living in an uh, immoral life. I don't care what you're doing. God loved you and he died for you and he forgave you. And out of the seeds of that outreach, that's how this church started. Because God loves people. He tre Listen to me. He treasures people more than anything else. We get it all wrong. We make sports uh, and running here. Listen, if some of you was as passionate about football, as passionate about Jesus as you are about basketball and football and this, I want you to we win our world for Jesus. Oh, yes. But we have a generation we're more passionate about the saints. Uh, I want you to know, the, I'm talking about the NFL. We're more passionate about what's on TV than we are about Jesus and and people and tell them we got the message that can change the world it's called the gospel the good news in a world where people are mourning we have the power to comfort those who mourn in a world that where people are broken we have the power to heal those who are broken in a world where people are lost we have the power of the gospel to point them back and I want you to know that yesterday after I preached a funeral for that young man, I saw these young men playing basketball. This is what happened. I went yes to a week ago. I went and talked to them in the gym. And all that week, you know, I went, I went, I kind of went fuss them for, for having on the air conditioning. That's what I did. I didn't really go talk. That was a week ago. And all that week, God convicted me. You're concerned about the air conditioning, but did you tell them about me? You're concerned about, about whether they're running up the electric bill, but did you share with them that I love them and I have a plan for their lives? And I want them to know my purpose. And I was so convicted. And all week long, 
I was praying, praying for those young men, asking God for another chance. And yesterday, as I got out of the funeral, I saw the same group of young men playing basketball. And I went and I let them know that, young men, the Lord just told me to come and tell you today that, you know what, he loved you. He died on the cross for your sins. He got a purpose for your life. He died so that you can have life and that more abundantly. We have a thief. He's called the devil. He came to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And I say, I want you to know that that's why I came here today to just tell you at first, they thought I was coming talking about the air conditioning because the minute I walked in the building, they said, Rev, we don't have the air conditioning on. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't come talk to you about the air conditioning. I said, but could I talk to you all a minute? And I told them the good news of Jesus. And then I invited them to church. And I'm telling you, I'm full right now because several of, them, several of the young men came to church this morning. Let's just thank God for them this morning. Listen to me, Christians, believers. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, this is, I'm closing. He said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the earth. It's not a suggestion it's a command and if we're going to be a part of a visitation we got to once again say God give us boldness give us courage to tell people the good news the Bible says how will they call on him they've not heard how will they hear unless somebody tell them Listen to me. It's not good enough just to go to church. We got to tell them the good news. Somebody got to tell them. And I recommitted saying, God, if you'll give me the courage and the grace about your, I'm going to try to tell as many people about your love, about your forgiveness, how you died from, how you came to give them life. That's how we prepare. I'm telling you, I believe the day is coming, Brother Joe. I believe that we're gonna, there are going to be more people, listen to me, more people are open to the gospel than ever before. God has rocked our world, and people are saying, what's going on? And it's our opportunity. God has given us an opportunity to tell the world about Jesus. And if we're going to prepare, I said, number one, we've got to say, God, open my eyes. Listen to me, young people in school, your classmates, they're afraid. They don't know what's going on. For you, are, if you're a Christian, you don't have nothing to be afraid of. You're in a win-win. If you catch corona and die, you go to be with Jesus. If you live, you got more opportunity to share with Christ, so you have nothing to be afraid of. But for the person who do not know Jesus, if they die without Christ, the greatest tragedy is not dying. 
That's just that's the end of this life, but that's just only the beginning of the next life. The greatest tragedy is to die without Christ, to ne- not know Jesus. We have to get back to making the main thing the main thing. God is not willing that no person perish. Let's pray. Bow your head. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every person who's watching me by social media, on Facebook, those who are who are listening to me, I want you to hear this this morning, that God has caused this moment, this time, in the history of our country. I've called it the Great Reset. God is wanting to get our attention. God wants us to know that, listen, life is not about what you can own, what you can drive, where you live. Listen, if you live only for that, you've lost everything. To the man who had everything but didn't have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus called him a fool. Don't be a fool. Be wise. To you believers here, you've been, you've been going through this and some of you are saying, why all this going on? God is wanting to let you know that, listen, I'm at work even in the midst of what's going on. God wants our attention. God wants our attention. As I close in a word of prayer, I want to preach to two people. I want to, first of all, for you, believer, and you said, I'm a believer. Pastor, I've not always had the courage. I've been ashamed. Sometimes I've not been. I need boldness to be a witness. I want God to open my eyes. I want God to show me. If that's you and you're believing, you say, God, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just slip your hands up all over the place. You say that for me. Just do me one better. If that's you, just stand on your feet. You say, that's me right there. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. I want to speak to the second group of people. That may be you here. And you say, Pastor, you know, I came here. And I realized that with all this going on, I realized I need Jesus in my life. I need a relationship with him. I've been living for stuff and things, but the most important thing is a relationship with God. And you say, I want to have a rich relationship with God. If that's you, would you slip up your hand or would you would you just say, that's me? Would you pray for me? I thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Amen. I want to pray. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I'm praying right now. I pray first of all. I want to pray for those of you that just want a rich relationship with God. This is how it starts right now. Just say this simple prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for me, that you carried my sins on the cross. You took my punishment so that I might be forgiven. Lord Jesus, Forgive me now of my sins. Today, I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. So today, with my mouth, I confess you're my Lord. In my heart, I believe that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.
Come on, let's just thank God. Come on, let's thank God right now. Come on, let's thank God.